Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite. With just two capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. Right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com, the lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. So one of the challenges today with sort of current diversity and inclusion initiatives is they make people aware of biases, but they don't tell you how to take action. They don't hold you accountable for making it a practice. And so for me, the one way we can support each other is to understand what the barriers look like, how they're different for all women. And so I always say, you know, what white women want from men in organizations, they have to be prepared to give to women of color, which is understanding the challenges and speaking up and being an ally. Thanks for joining us on The Road to Somewhere, where we talk about exploration, adventure, major life change, and transformation. It's about not necessarily knowing where we're going, but having the faith that the journey will be worthwhile. I'm Lisa Oz. And I'm Jill Herzig. And I have to say, one of the things that I am most grateful to work for is you. (laughs) (laughs) I would never have found you without work. Well, this is true. Yeah. Yeah, I am ex- working on exceptionally grateful to work magazine. for you. I yeah. technically worked for you. No, you, you did were not. the boss. No, <laughs> you didn't actually. We were partners in crimes. We are here, but um, it's just it, it's sort of one of the things that uh, I think bonded us is that we went through sort of a, somewhat of a difficult. Uh, there were thorny political situations we were dealing with at the magazine we were working at um, that had nothing to do with the people on our staff, but everything to do with the sort of condition of the industry and the parent company and all of it. And it was just so incredible to have somebody who I um, felt such respect for and also just had good chemistry with to talk to and confide in about how, as particularly as women, we should be navigating everything that we were encountering, all the challenges and obstacles that we were encountering. 
<laughs> so, well, I felt exactly This the is a same public way. way for me to thank you for your allyship. <laughs> well, thank you. And I, I, I do think that the workplace can be particularly challenging um, for women, which is why we have our expert on today who's going to help us navigate that, those stormy waters. She's a global expert on gender equality and director of inclusion at Netflix, um, which seems like a super inclusive place. And she's also the author of The Fix, Overcome the Invisible Barriers That Are Holding Women Back at Work. Michelle King, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me today. It's so nice to hear the two of you champion each other. So that's great. We did. And, and um, the sisterhood lives. Oh, sisterhood <laughs> is alive and well. Although one of the things I really appreciated about your book is that it does not put it all on women to figure out this problem. Yeah, you know, it's so interesting. Um, when I first started researching this, I selfishly was really trying to understand the barriers that I'd encountered in my workplace and why it was that with like, you know, countless qualifications and really high performance ratings and so many years of experience, I was finding sort of less qualified, less capable men, um, at, you know, sort of outperforming me in terms of promotions. And I really wanted to unpack it for myself. And I started researching it you know, really around women and how workplaces need to be fixed rather than women and how capable we are. And I found all of this interesting research. And then I presented it to a room full of 400 white male partners in a big professional services firm. And I got these sort of blank stares back at me and these squirrel faces, you know, and just like this look of like, I'm, I'm being excluded. Um, and it was, it didn't resonate with them at all. And I, trying to lean into my discomfort and understand, you know, what it was that wasn't resonating. So I went back into all the data that I had, all the interviews, all the surveys, and I removed all the women. And I just looked at male responses. And what I found consistently was that men experience organizations and specifically gender inequality in a very negative way. And it's not something we talk about. It's not something, you know, we notice. Like when I looked at my research, the number one barrier to men's advancement at work is the advancement of diversity and inclusion initiatives focused on women, because these initiatives really aim at fixing women and they ignore sort of men and the challenges that men face and they don't address sort of how to enroll men. And, you know, a lot of people focus on business cases and all these other things, except we don't actually spend time talking about how the workplace doesn't work for men and how living up to what I call this Don Draper 1950s ideal of leadership in workplaces actually doesn't serve men, right? It silences men. Men aren't free to talk about the challenges they experience at work. Men face tremendous bullying and pressure to accept marginalization and discriminatory behaviors. Men aren't free to explore their identities outside of the breadwinner image. Um, you know, men they are getting the promotions, though. They are getting the promotions. But what I would argue is actually that workplaces only work for a very small number of people. And we're seeing this in research showing, you know, currently in cultures of inequality, you're really only advancing people who fit this Don Draper ideal, right, which is a white, middle-class, heterosexual, able-bodied male. But importantly, it's someone who's willing to engage in sort of dominant, assertive, aggressive, competitive, and even exclusionary behaviors to get ahead. And so the more ways you fit, Don, the easier it's for, it is for you to advance. Um, the counter is also true, though. So research has come out and shown that in cultures of equality, where you don't really have this Don Draper ideal, right? more what we call a values-based organization. You know, men are twice as likely to rise to senior leadership positions. And women are six times more likely because we're no longer advancing like a small number of people who fit the Don Draper ideal. And the thing I would argue is even if men get promoted and it works for you, and I've had this conversation with quite a few men, it's not without its costs. 
So we see the stress and emotional strain and, you know, from male silencing. We see sort of the this play out in, in higher depression rates for men and a lot of the challenges that men encounter in workplaces. And my message to men is, hey, you know, if this is challenging for you, there's roughly only six barriers you encounter in the course of your career. For women, there's roughly on average around 17. So, you know, it's much harder for women. And that's really my way of enrolling men to say, look, we see you, but this is how it's much harder for women. So I'm just going to push back a little bit because that's who I am. I love playing devil's advocate. I would say that uh, from the opposite side, as, even as a non-male, if the Don Draper type is highly effective and highly productive, and the goal of most corporations is not to be like your social club or your therapist, and it's t- unfortunately to make money. And if you're a stock owner and you invest in a company and what all you care about is that they make money and you're annoyed if they're not, if they're not highly productive and the men, unfortunately, mostly men or women, the few who are rising to the top and being the most productive are sacrificing their personal life that's the goal, isn't it, of a corporation that's making money? I absolutely love this question um, because it's so inherently misogynistic. So I love this question because what we're saying, and I've been asked by it by white men, is that, hey, Michelle, doesn't the Don Draper prototype work for us, right? So when men ask me that, I have to take a breath and I have to, (laughs) because it is inherently misogynistic because what we're saying is the white male prototype is what good looks like. And to be fair, that's what society says. So it's a reasonable question. But there are women like that too. Who There are women like that too. I mean, women, highly effective, We can get onto the woman piece in a minute, but I just want to address this idea that this is successful, right? So I had a room full of 10 male partners in a very well-known professional services firm say this exact question to me. And my question to them was, well, let's just consider this for a moment. So you're saying it's successful now, but your organization has received numerous complaints of sexual harassment and assault, numerous instances of inequality moments of marginalization and discrimination and complaints from both men and women. And even if we park all of that, just purely on a financial basis, there are hundreds of studies that show more diverse teams are more effective, more productive, and more profitable. And even if we park all of that in terms of current state, research shows that in the future world of work, within the next sort of three to five to 10 years, the changes that are coming from technological advancements like AI, robotics, nanotechnology, require different ways of working. And let me just give you an example of how acute this is. So I did a survey because I was so interested in this, and I said to 732 men and women, hey, what are the top five capabilities out of a list of 20 that are required in the future world of work? And they gave me things like persuasion, collaboration, emotional intelligence, working with others, managing people (laughs) to achieve results. And then I said, great, what are the, the capabilities that women have? Women have four out of the five capabilities that are required in the future world of work, according to men and women men have won. And the reason for that is the 1950s Don Draper prototype was built when organizations first began. And it doesn't really work for us now. And it's definitely not going to work for us in the future world of work. And that's why I say men need this more than we do. And I just want to say one more thing on this idea that the prototype works. What we need to own is the prototype doesn't actually work for organizations. It actually works for those men who are in those positions of power. And that's what they're actually saying. They're questioning, hey, this worked for me. 
So surely that makes it okay. And I'm saying, no, it worked for you at the expense of the well-being of the people you work with, at the expense of your organization's productivity, your organization's innovation, your organization's ability to problem solve and engage in sort of diversity of thought and all the things needed to innovate. And, you know, we see this play out in cultures of equality. If you have them, employees are six times more likely to innovate, which is something that is critical and going to be a core differentiator for sort of corporate success. So my argument is I think there's an opportunity here to actually redefine that, to lean into that and to question, did we get here in a way that's truly successful? And what is our definition of success? Because you can be a lot more financially successful with more diverse teams. So you're saying it's almost a fiduciary responsibility that you have and to your shareholders' returns in the future to evolve even if your impulse is, hey, the status quo has, has, has me, you know, ha- has me sitting pretty. Yeah, and I think it's just challenging for people, right? Because, you know, if you're a leader and you manage to get there by adhering to Don Draper behaviors and someone comes along and says, hey, you know what, that's not only created huge cultures of inequality and, you know, discrimination, marginalization of minority groups at work, but actually it's not that effective and here's all the reasons why. You know, that actually requires individuals who are in position of power and privilege to question that and to really do the work to become aware of how their privilege is actually created inequality. And that's why I say, you know, this is actually a leadership issue. I mean, I have a whole chapter just for leaders on the work that they need to do, because here's the truth, right? The inequality employees experience in workplaces is a direct result of the leadership, because leaders get to decide every day what behaviors get endorsed, rewarded, supported, ignored. They get to decide, you know, how women are going to be treated, if women are going to be valued in the same way as men when they get to leadership positions, how men are going to interact with women. And to me, that's really the ultimate form of privilege. You know, to be able to tackle inequality that you yourself never have to experience is really what privilege is. And so I think every leader, what we're asking them to do is really to lead, to manage those day-to-day experiences of inequality. That's where culture happens. That's how it gets created. And so that's really what we need all leaders to do, even those who might have lived up to Don in the past, you know, what I'm asking them to do is, hey, don't live up to your privilege anymore. Spend it by managing these moments and by taking action to be an ally. So when we come back, I want to unpack what success will look like in the future. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite, with just two capsules a day smart metabolic burn by brain md can kickstart your metabolism fight stubborn body fat especially that pesky abdominal fat and support your weight management journey right now save over 30 percent on smart metabolic burn at getsmartburn.com the lowest price anywhere that's getsmartburn.com don't delay transform your life with smart metabolic burn from brain md these statements have not been evaluated by the food and drug administration our products are not intended to diagnose treat cure or prevent any disease this is it your moment this is your time to make your comeback with purdue global when you come back with a purdue global degree you create opportunity for yourself your family and your future it's a degree you can be proud of a degree that employers will trust and respect 
Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Before the break, you had mentioned um, the five qualities that define success in the future and leadership in the future. And I want to just unpack who the future leader is and what they look like and how, if you're not in a leadership position now, you can get there. So um, I think I'll start answering this question at sort of an organizational level and bring it back to leaders. So when we think about what cultures, because leaders drive culture, right, through their behaviours, they set the standard for it and everybody follows that. They determine what culture looks like. And in organisations where there's cultures of equality, what we find is they value-based cultures. So what this means is we have to break up with Don Draper and we need to shift away from organisations where there are these embedded, outdated ideals of what good looks like, um, you know, where we don't really value difference, we just value one type of ideal, to organizations that are built based on values. So what we're seeing is increasingly, and there's examples of this, like um, Jacinda Ardern, who's in my book, who's the Prime Minister of New Zealand, who's building an entire government focused on one thing, one value, which is kindness. Um, and that might seem too soft for people, but we're also seeing this play out in organizations where, you know, increasingly they it's not the corporate sort of lip service values, but values where they're very clear on what good looks like based on what, what is important to that organization. So for some, it might be what we call radical candor. You're saying that is a value. HBR's got some articles on it recently where it's very important in organizations that employees give feedback in real time, that they're able to speak up and call things out. And so what I'm saying is in a culture of equality, you're very clear on what the value is, but importantly, you're giving people a number of ways to demonstrate the value rather than asking them to conform to sort of masculine or feminine ideals. And this is important in global economies, you know, where you've got cultural differences embedded in that as well. So, for example, if radical candor is like a value that your organization has, don't ask everybody to be Don and in the meeting assert themselves and talk over people, right? Give people different ways to demonstrate that by maybe feedback on one-on-one situations or writing an email. Or So organizations need to build in the flex in how we demonstrate the values. But right now, most people aren't clear on any of this value-based culture. So if you ask employees, um, you know, what good looks like in the organization, and I've done this, they're going to describe the Don Draper prototype. And that's, that for them is what good looks like, rather than being very clear on what gets valued in the organization. And so culture is where they're clear on that. 
you know, they, they really support employees to kind of live up to that. And, and that's really what a leader's job is, is to really define what good looks like within their teams and then give people the opportunity to display that using a wide range of behaviors. So then help me out for a second, because if my, if I'm not in a situation where my leadership is demonstrating values that resonate with me, if I'm working at a company that is not purpose-driven and does not have much of a purpose filter, let's say it's dog-eat-dog, dog. forget radical can- candor, it's just dog-eat-dog, dog. and it's all about the Don Draper. If I'm not in a position to make changes in how my organization functions and what's modeled at the top, what can I do from my mid, mid-tier, low-tier, wherever tier I'm at? Yeah, so there's quite a few things all of us can do. And this is my message to both men and women. So I just want to make that clear right off the bat. I think there's three things all of us can do. And it's really important that all of us do do this. So the first is to um, become aware. So one of the things my research found is that we're actually all in denial to some extent when it comes to gender inequality. We either deny the experiences of it or we deny the impact that it has or we deny differences. And interestingly, research shows this also extends to race, right? So we sort of erase people's experiences of inequality in workplaces. So the first thing is to become aware of your different identities and how, for example, I'm a white woman and I have my whiteness in common with Don. So that makes it that much easier for me to advance in organizations than it does black women in organizations, just as an example. And so I think it's really important to understand how your identity and living up to that identity by engaging in Don Draper behaviors creates cultures of inequality and experiences of inequality for others. So that's the first important point. And I think an easy way to do that is to think about your whole career and map out moments where you've witnessed or experienced inequality and start to really understand how this has shown up in your career. And then you can use resources like my book to look at, you know, what is likely to come down the pipeline, right? So what are some of the barriers you're likely to encounter in the future? And you can navigate these challenges and cultures of inequality by being an ally. Um, But in order to be an ally, and I'll explain sort of what that looks like, we really need to understand what the barriers are. So one of the challenges today with sort of current diversity and inclusion initiatives is they make people aware of biases, but they don't tell you how to take action. They don't hold you accountable for making it a practice. And so for me, the one way we can support each other is to understand what the barriers look like and how they're different for all women, right? And so I always say, you know, what white women want from men in organizations, they have to be prepared to give to women of color, which is understanding the challenges and speaking up and being an ally. And allyship's important because it's how we take that awareness and understanding and make it a practice and navigate it in our workplace. And, you know, I've got some examples as to how this plays out for me, right? So a powerful example I can share is I've worked in an organization where I had the Don Drapers and I had a black woman who was reporting to me. And the Don Drapers, were, we were looking to run this big workshop and with all their leaders. And they questioned having this black woman facilitate the session. And the question went like this, Michelle, uh, you know, we're just not sure she's senior enough to facilitate the session. And so for me, in that moment, I know the barriers that black women face. I know that they, on average, have their legitimacy and capability questioned much more than white women. I know they have to outperform to be seen as just as competent as, you know, their white counterparts. And I know that it's my job to really support and advocate legitimacy, right, and push back on this inequality moment. And so in that moment, I did something that I think everybody can do, which is I asked why. And why is such a powerful thing? Because when you do that, you're putting the onus on the individual who's engaging in the marginalization behavior to explain it. 
So with this group of white men, I said, look, um, why? Can you help me understand on what basis you formed that opinion? Turns out they'd never spoken to her. They didn't know her background. They'd just met her a couple of times and had made that assumption on the basis of how she looked. And by asking why, you know, I had to get them to a point where they admitted they actually had no basis for this. And it was at that point that I said, well, great. If we don't actually know that she can do it, I know she can do it because I know her background and experience. Let's give her a shot. And she facilitated the workshop and it was highly effective. But that's just one example of encountering, you know, the day-to-day discrimination. But because you know the barriers, you know how to be an ally in the moment because you recognize the challenges that minorities face at work. So my message to everybody is alone, it's very hard to navigate these barriers. I share some strategies for each barrier in my book. But ultimately, the aim is to be allies because together we can push back on these barriers. And I hate putting all this emphasis on women because I think it's something importantly that men can do. And I talk a lot about this in the book with reference to my husband and how it's really important that men, for example, share, you know, when they're taking their son to the doctor and speak up and share, you know, the challenges of integrating work and home life. Just those simple actions of not hiding their identities outside of work can really help us. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit more specifically about the barriers that you mentioned. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite. With just two capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat and support your weight management journey. And right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com. The lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. (laughs) 
So the, before the break, we mentioned um, what Michelle had mentioned, the barriers for women. And in your book, you specifically describe three times in a woman's career that they, the barriers are specific to that, to that time. Because um, they're different barriers. They're different barriers for a woman who's just entering the workforce than they are for like middle-aged people like me yes. and Jill. Yes. <laughs> who, who have a whole different, by the way, we didn't touch on age discrimination, but that is very, very prominent, I think, mm-hmm. in the workplace as well. So can you just walk us through those, the barriers that exist for those three different phases of a woman's career? Sure. Um, and, you know, I just want to sort of start by saying that, you know, men and women's careers unfold in very different ways, right? And so for listeners, you might not know this, but women do have three distinct phases in their careers. And in my book, I map the barriers to each phase. Um, and the reason for that is women have to integrate sort of work and home life. Whereas for men, it's just sort of this more linear path where some of those barriers I mentioned earlier sort of show up along the way. Whereas for women, they're really these three core phases. And the first phase is what we call the idealistic achievement phase. And so one of the barriers, just to give you an example of how it plays out in this phase, is, you know, when women start working life, what we find is they're pretty idealistic about their ability to achieve, right, and advance in organizations. And they believe that actually working life is going to marry sort of school life, you know, and that working hard will enable them to advance. It's pretty much this idea that workplaces are meritocracies, right? It's this myth. And workplaces aren't because success discriminates and it discriminates based on who most closely fits the prototype. But not knowing this, women that's have Don what Draper we, again. That's Don Draper, yeah. right? And but not knowing this, women have what we call conditioned expectations. So this is this first barrier. And so they believe that like if if you know it's unlikely they're going to experience inequality, and if they do, that they alone can overcome it. But what we see is that as women sort of join organizations and they face with the Don Draper prototype, they encounter something else called the conformity bind, where to be seen as competent, they have to live up to Don. But when women stray from the standards that society holds for how women are meant to behave, which is the opposite of Dawn, it's meek, mild, unassuming, you know, very maternal, very feminine. When women stray from those norms to live up to Dawn, they, they get smacked down differently. Yeah. Yes. So yeah. women face this trade-off between right. being seen as competent. She's not being feminine. Likeable. That's right. right. And likability is super important for promotions. And so there's really this trade-off and there's just no right way to be a woman at work. And so when women encounter this conformity bind in organizations, what we find is, you know, that's just one barrier. Because they've got these conditioned expectations, they start to internalize these challenges. And that's why within the first three years of working life, women's confidence in their ability to advance to senior leadership positions drops by more than 60%. That's an amazing statistic, right? Yes, that and is And it's amazing. because we don't arm young women with the awareness that they need of how inequality plays out. And so that's why I say, you know, for every parent everywhere, you know, give your young graduate a copy of this book and arm them with the awareness so that when they encounter the barriers, they don't internalize them. And that's just the first phase. Which, is, probably- which is really a different message to parents because a lot of parents, I think, feel that the, the way to raise girls in particular is to tell them you can be anything you want. Mm-hmm. The world is your oyster, and that somehow that will fuel them for what we do know is going to be an uphill and, and difficult journey at times. But what you're saying is just tell, tell it like it is. Tell it like it is, because otherwise what you're doing is you're actually gaslighting them, right? Like you can do everything just right. You can get all the grades. You can get all the performance scores. You can have everything just right and still not succeed. But there are ways to get 
through these barriers. I mean, there certainly are ways you to get did. Yes. So, wh- what do you do as a young woman starting out now who's aware of these barriers? Is not they're not blind to mm-hmm. them. How do they get through them? Because they some people do. I think the number one thing, in all honesty, is not internalizing them. So it took me a long time to do that, right? To have, in order to develop confidence in your own capabilities and to truly see yourself and develop yourself from a place of strength, you have to not internalize the barriers. Because what happens is when we internalize the barriers, we engage in a lot of what I call women fixing, you know, where we go on the latest mentoring program or the latest negotiating program or networking program. Meanwhile, research finds on average women are really good negotiators. In fact, better than men, men and women rate women better. And so I'm trying to say, hey, don't invest your time in fixing something that's not broken. Don't internalize these messages that are going to bring you down. Recognize that it's not you. It is your workplace and see things for what they are and realize just how truly capable you are. And also pick organizations that are most likely going to value you. You know, when you're having that first job interview, one of the most important questions you can ask leaders is, hey, how do you practice inclusive leadership? Well, do you even understand how inequality works in workplaces? And I like I I do this. I've just done this. Like for me, that's a really important question because you know leaders might not have the perfect answer, but if they have no answer, if they don't understand the challenges women face at work, they're hardly going to be able to support you in your career. So for me, it's upfront. It's pick organizations that can value us, and then don't internalize these barriers and learn to recognize them when they pop up. So you know the different strategies for navigating each of them, and every barrier is different, so it has different strategies, but it's really important that women know this early on. And I think the other thing to recognize is, you know, these barriers never go away. Like in the second and third phase, which is the second is called the endurance phase because it's when you have management and motherhood. And the third is when women lead because it's the idea that there's one glass ceiling and that's just simply not true. The barriers show up throughout women's careers and particularly when they're leaders. You know, these challenges get harder and harder. And that's why when we look at women in leadership positions, you know, my message to organizations is they're their exception, not the norm. You know, they represent almost the hardiest of survivors of women who've managed to endure workplaces, endure motherhood, endure marginalization and sexism. And what we need is to create environments where we're not just asking exceptional women to advance, but where we open it up and give all women an opportunity to advance. So I squarely place the activity with leaders in terms of the actions they need to take to create these right environments. Wait, just, just, I, I just when you say all people, all women to advance, leadership is, is a pyramid there are fewer leaders than you can only have like a a few people at the top you can't when you say everybody we're not all going to be ceos and i don't disagree with that i what i think is unfair though is only advancing a certain number of people based on characteristics focused on their identity whether that be white able-bodied middle class you know, for me, this is about actually advancing people based on their talent and capabilities. And quite frankly, if we look at the research in terms of who are the most capable people in organizations today, you look at the fact that women are transformational leaders, that men and women rate women as higher in terms of their leadership capability. You know, if it was purely based on merit and who's the most capable, women would rule. And so for me, this is really about understanding that right now we're not actually judging this purely on capability. We're judging it based on who most closely fits the prototype that doesn't really work for workplaces. And so if we bring it all back to capability, our workplaces would look very different to how they look today. And our boards would look different. The C-suite would look different. It, it might not be 100% full of women, but it would be 50% full of women at least. At least, yeah. 
I agree. And look, I don't believe this is about men or women, right? I'm not, I'm not, I know it sounds like that, but I'm not advocating men suddenly have to behave like women and women suddenly have to behave like men. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying let's give people the freedom to demonstrate their capabilities, to bring their strengths to work, to bring their different identities, because that's all we get the cognitive diversity we need. And then let's advance people who are the most capable leaders. And let's see where that lands, because based on research, that should be women. So, you know, it'll be really interesting when you create these environments. And I think that's why that study shows, right, in cultures of equality, women are six times more likely to advance. And it makes sense because in those environments, women have an opportunity to engage their skills to, to lead. We're talking about a very rarefied space. You, you mentioned privilege. The C-suite and even top-level corporate America is a tiny percentage of the, the planet, but also of America. How do you translate your message, which it seems to make sense in a corporate structure, how do you translate that for someone who maybe isn't working, at, you know, as an executive, who is working at McDonald's or working, you know, as a janitor or, or has a regular, a regular job, a blue collar job? How do they take the message of, of feminism and, and empowerment into a non-corporate environment. And so I love I love this question because today um, I actually spoke at the U.S. Um, Treasury Department and um, actually had the reverse question. You know, how do you translate this into corporates? For me, um, I think the reality is is the inequality that exists in society, which is the fact that we value men and masculinity more than women and femininity. Um, exists in workplaces, irrespective of your workplace. The studies find, and it's been replicated over 30 years across geographies, that when we think of managers or males, you know, when we think of managers or leaders, literally those two words, we think of males. There's a think manager, think male phenomenon. It's very well established. And so for me, this is actually about, you know, irrespective of what role you're working in, it's likely that what good looks like in that setting is a masculine ideal and to engage in behaviors that are masculine in order to fit that ideal. And, you know, that's why I have my weekly podcast where I interview people from a range of backgrounds, from music, from surfing, from, you know, blue collar workers, you name it, to really understand how inequality is everywhere. And it's everywhere because patriarchy is everywhere. And patriarchy is simply that belief that men and masculinity are more valuable than women and femininity. And so my message to everybody is, hey, we need to reset what we value. You know, in our homes, we need to think about, do we value women's careers as much as men's? And this is something, you know, I have to work on with my husband and really work through, hey, I need you to value my ambitions and my career interests and my value and contribution to society as much as you value your own. And to do that, we have to share the load at work. And so this really plays out, you know, in society, this idea that when we walk into workplaces and we leave our biases and prejudices at home is crazy. It doesn't matter what workplace you work in, you're likely to encounter inequality in it because we have inequality in society. And that's why for me, I almost feel like as an advocate, I'm reverse engineering the problem because I'm like, if we can tackle it in workplaces, you know, at least where boards are holding these businesses accountable for, you know, ensuring that they are competitive and diversity is the path of doing this. Maybe we can rewire it back into our homes. Great conversation. Thank you so much for being with us today. No problem. Thank you so much. You can find Michelle King's podcast at The Fix, Stories of Challenges and Triumphs, Women Across Innovation, Technology, and Entrepreneurship. Her book, again, is The Fix, Overcome the Invisible Barriers That Are Holding Women Back at Work. And also connect with her on Instagram at Michelle Penelope King on Twitter at Michelle P. King, or go to her website, michellepking.com. 
The Road to Somewhere is recorded in New York City. Make sure you share, subscribe, rate, and review us. And let us hear from you. Where are you on your journey? Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at Pod to Somewhere. Email us at roadtosomewhere at iheartmedia.com. Special thanks to our producer, Alicia Haywood. Thanks for joining us on The Road to Somewhere, available on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite, with just two capsules a day. Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. Right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com, the lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.